0: Luke chapter 9, and we're going to continue a study that we've been in for the last few weeks called On the Road with Jesus, and we've been looking at episodes in the life and ministry of Jesus when he was traveling from one place to another with his disciples, and talking about how the environment of just being together, uh, traveling, created situations where Uh, The Lord was able to instruct his disciples in things that probably couldn't have happened any other way. And the uh, subtitle for today's message is The Call of the Cross. And I'll just warn you up front, you know, people when they market Christianity tend to skip this chapter because it's challenging. It's going to be in our face today about some things that we may not want to look at, but uh, so essential and so important. So I'm going to I've warned you, and anybody who wants to leave, you can right now. Okay, you, you're, you're in. Um, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 23, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Now, before I start, let me just say that Jesus has just told his disciples in no uncertain terms, as clear as a bell, it's never been anything that he's hidden, but he has, made, just before this, if you read the verses just preceding this, you'd see that Jesus made it crystal clear, I'm going to die. I'm going to die the way he describes it, they, wouldn't have had, they would have understood without any um, uncertainty whatsoever, he was going to die, he was saying he was going to die on the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. He's just made that crystal clear to them. Then in verse 23, he says to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, you want to be a follower of me. Many or most of us in this room would consider ourselves to be Christ's followers. And uh, that's a good thing. But he says, if any of you want to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Have you ever felt, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt like life was slipping through your fingers? Sometimes the reason why that is, and that's a a feeling that's common to all of us, sometimes the reason that is is because we're trying to hold on to our life. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, I have an appointment with a cross, and so do you. Take up your cross and follow me daily. Because when we shoulder our cross, it tends to loosen our grip on a variety of things that we're holding on to that we think is our life. Jesus said, you have an appointment with a cross. I'll come back to to that in a minute. So now he's just made this clear. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to the cross. I have an appointment with the cross. So do you. If you're going to be my followers, then shoulder yours and follow me. Then, verse 46 of the same chapter, Luke 9, 46. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. Isn't this just crazy? I mean, he's just talked to them. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to lay my life down for humanity. I'm inviting you to shoulder your cross and follow after me. And they're like, yeah, but which one of us is going to be the greatest? It's like so It's incongruent. It doesn't go together. But you see, people who claim to be followers of Christ that don't keep their appointment with a cross... Tend to be self-centered, self-focused, prideful, arrogant. Because the cross tends to deal with that stuff. Look, I'm not pointing any fingers, but you know, because I, I've been all these things. I've been self-centered. I've been prideful. In fact, it creeps up on me frequently. So I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers. But the cross that you and I have an appointment with is designed to deal with that. And when we, when we resist, when we resist shouldering our cross, coming under the weight of that which God is designed for, to, be frank, kill you, we tend to be full of pride, be self-centered. Yeah, which one of us is going to get to, you know... Rule the rest. Which one of us is going to have the highest honor? Which one of us is the greatest? Jesus took a little child and set them in the midst of him. He said, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, all will be great. He stands this notion of greatness on its head. Boy, there's a message in there that I won't deal with today. Verse 49. This is just a flow of things that follow one right after another. He's told them, I'm heading to the cross. You have an appointment with one also. And then they have this thing, yeah, but which one of us is going to be the greatest? And then verse 40, 49. Now John answered, he's another one of the disciples, and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons Your name, in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. He's not part of our crew. He's not part of our tribe. And he's casting out demons in your name. So we told him to stop it. People who claim to be followers of Christ and resist their cross tend to be judgmental. They tend to be exclusive. You know, if you're not with us, then you don't have it. I mean, our little church, our little group, we've got it. Our Bible study, we really, we know the deep things of the word. If you're not part of that, then, you know, you might get to heaven, I don't know, you know. People who, who resist the cross tend to be exclusive in their understanding of the kingdom. Jesus had a much more expansive understanding of the the kingdom of God. And he said to them, Don't forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Then flowing right from there, you get to verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he, Jesus, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans. Here's a little map to kind of give you an idea of, what, of what's going on here. Jesus is up in the general vicinity of Samaria. He's set his sights on Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross. He's made that clear. They travel down the uh, Jordan River Valley. First stop will be Jericho, and then they'll head west to Jerusalem. A lot of stuff is going to go on between where we are right now in the Gospel of, of Luke and the crucifixion, but it's all headed to the cross. And so... Uh, that Jordan River Valley kind of looks like this, just so you can have a, p- a picture of in your mind what's going on. They're, they're walking through this valley, and Jesus is uh, trying to teach them about the cross, and they keep bringing up all this nonsense. And uh, so he sends them on ahead, some of the guys on ahead, to a village of Samaria to prepare for his arrival, to try to find a place to spend the night, to try to find out where they could get some uh, food for meals, and so on. Um, In verse 53, but they, the Samaritan villagers, did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. The Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. They had a profound hatred for one another. And so when the Samaritans heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, then they they didn't want him to stay with them. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, verse 54, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? (laughs) They just, these guys are just not, not getting it. I mean, but people who resist the cross, as I said before, tend to become judgmental. They tend to put themselves up on a pedestal. And everybody else is just, you know. So Jesus says to them, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. Come on. For the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. My point here is that we're dealing with (laughs) some very real people I can see myself in every one of these scenarios. Maybe you can too. I claim to be a follower of Christ, but a lot of times I'm pretty self-centered. I claim to be a follower of Christ, but there's a lot of times when I behave very exclusively. You know, if you're not part of my crou- uh, uh, crowd, you're not part of my tribe. You're not part of my crew. Then you know you don't have it. I can be pretty judgmental. You know, I don't like what you did, and so I'm going to rain fire from heaven down on you. Wouldn't that be nice sometimes? No, be terrible, terrible. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. But people, see, the cross is designed to deal with that stuff. Now it happened, verse 57. Now it happened. As they journeyed on the road, remember we're talking about these road journeys. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, we don't know who, it may have been one of the 12 disciples, may have been another follower of Christ, someone who was traveling with Jesus. He says this, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And I don't think there was anything um, in this man's statement, anything coming uh, out of a place of arrogance or pride. He wasn't trying to spin Jesus, I don't believe. I don't think he was trying to you know, impress Jesus. I think this was sincere because I, I, you probably have to. I found myself in those times when I'm just overcome with the presence of the Lord or, or inspired in some way by something I've read in the scriptures or heard someone preach out of the word of God. And I find myself saying, God, I surrender all to you. I will go anywhere you want me to go. I will do anything you want me to do. You are number one in my life. I've said that and I've meant it. And perhaps you have too. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Verse 58 Jesus said to him, Are you sure about that? Because, you see, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He wasn't whining or complaining that he didn't have a place to spend the night. He was saying, there is no place in this world that is my home. I do not have any place of comfort in this world. My home is in heaven, in eternal, eternity. So there is nothing. Are you sure? You you say you want to follow me wherever I go. Are you sure about that? Because there is nothing here for me. This world holds nothing for me. The cross that Jesus has has, uh, appointed for you, the appointment that you have with a cross is designed to help you let go of your comfort. And dear ones, there's hardly anything as difficult as that. Because we live as human beings, fallen human beings, we live for comfort. And anything that's disturbing our comfort gets our full attention. When a shoe doesn't fit right, Every waking minute is, how, what's wrong with this thing, you know, and, right? I was driving to, uh, to our cabin last Sunday after service down in Southern California. It's about an eight, eight-hour drive. I don't know, a few hours in, my back starts hurting me, and I'm feeling a little, I don't know what to do. You know, my knee starts aching, and, and, I'm, and all I could think about is, how can I fix this chair so it feels better? Do I need to move the seat back? Do I need to tilt it? Do I need to do something with the the, um, steering wheel? Consumed my thoughts. Finally, I realized, oh, I'm sitting on my wallet. I'll bet that's probably part of the problem. I took it out. But you see, I couldn't let go of it. I wasn't comfortable, and so it, it consumed my thoughts. See, the gravitational pull for all of us is always toward comfort. Nobody is volunteering to be uncomfortable. We're always being pulled that way. But if, if this world is what you've set your sights on for that which will make you comfortable, you've got an appointment with a cross. Because that will kill you. That will ruin your life. So, after kind of there's no response from this guy, he says, Are you sure about this? Because foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. No response recorded from this guy. And Jesus just points to one of the others and he says, Well, how about you? Follow me. Now that you've heard what I said to the first guy, how about you? Follow me. The guy goes, Um 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 mm. Lord, let me bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, it sounds pretty cold and harsh. The guy's just simply asking to go uh, to his dad's memorial service, right? No. This is a, he's part of an economic system where he's been since he was a very young boy being mentored by his father in the family business, the family trade. His whole imagining of his life is that he will... Uh, continue to develop in this skill and in this trade, mentored by his father, there'll be a point where their uh, responsibilities begin to cross and he begins to take the lead now in the business and the father less so until the point where the father is being supported by the son until his father passes away and then the business will be completely the son's and, and life carries on. That's how he imagines life. That's his plans for his life. And what he's saying is, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me fil- let me fulfill my plans first. See, the, the the cross is designed to confront that in us, to cause us to let go of our plans. Do you have any plans for your life? Don't raise your hand. I know you do. Perhaps it's to complete some course of study or or some training. Perhaps it's to gain a foothold in a certain industry, to pursue a career, to who knows. And there isn't anything ungodly about any of that unless you've put your plans in front of the plans that God has for you. And we tend to do that unless we've shouldered the cross. My plans, as lovely as they may be, can get in the way of God's plans. I remember when I, I was a young you know, teenager, probably 14 years old, I went to my, my mom because it was just di- dawning on me that, you know, wait a minute, the stuff I've been learning in church, it's probably, I, they tell me Jesus is coming back. Did you know that, by the way? Jesus is coming back. Some of you would say amen to that. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. It started to dawn on me, and I went to my mother, who was a Christian, and I said, Mom, do you think, you think I'll have a chance to get married before Jesus comes back? Well, there wasn't anything wrong with, with my desire there, but you see, I, I, was what I was saying was, I have this plan. I have this desire to be married and to have a family. And if, you know what? I'm grateful Jesus is coming back, but if you just hold that off for a little bit, I don't know, perhaps you have some of that going on in your life, too. I want to spend eternity with you, Jesus, but man, if I could just get, if I could just know what it's like to have a 90-inch flat screen on my wall for even a week, I mean, right? Right? The cross is designed to deal with that because that upside-down thinking about the kingdom of God will ruin me. It will ruin you. And then another says, Lord, verse 61, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. See, the the cross that you have an appointment with with is designed to to, uh, cause you to let go of the past. Now, the past causes us trouble in two ways. One, most of us have regrets. Things that we wish we hadn't done or had done differently uh, or we could take back uh, things that were done to us that we wished had never happened. There's things in our past that we wish were different. And so a lot of people spend their life trying to fix the past. And they, you know, they, they, it, gets, it's like it gets stuck in their soul and they can't move forward because they got to take care of the past. I gotta get this straightened out. That person needs to, that, that person needs to repent. They need to ask for my forgiveness for what they did to me. I need to, you know, reshuffle the deck. I need you know, there's this thing about the past that won't let me go forward. That causes us lots of trouble. Remember the story of Lot's wife? You know, Lot was Abraham's nephew, and they um, Lot and his family lived in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were horribly wicked people there. And after God had done everything that he could to get them to repent, he, he brought judgment on those cities. But he, he made a way for Lot and his family to escape. But he said, don't look back. So they're on their way escaping the judgment of God, and Lot's wife looks back. And you can only imagine that it's with some sort of longing for what could have been How things could have been different. Oh, if only. Oh, if only. Oh, if only. The Bible says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. She was forever frozen between her past and her future because she couldn't let go of what was behind her. Another way that the past causes us trouble is because... We we celebrate. There's things about that we you know our past that we celebrate so much that we we tend to be focused in the rear view, in the rear view mirror, not looking forward. Like the guy, you know, the 80 year old guy who's still wearing his high school Letterman's jacket, because the best thing that ever happened in his life was when he was a third string quarterback on his high school football team. That guy. Now that's a gross example, but a lot of us. We, we kind of just want to repeat that, that, you know, the, the victories are the blessings of, the, of our past. And we're afraid to trust God that there's a future. But there is. There is. And he can't lead us into it until we let go. I'm standing here today because in the, the fall of 2004 the Lord asked me to resign from the church where I was pastoring. He didn't tell me where I was going, and he didn't tell me why. But as we've compared notes with people since then, it was almost the same day there was the former pastor of this church, the founding pastor of, the, of this church, um, Was discovered to be having a a moral failure. That resulted in his resignation. Eventually, I didn't know that he. You know, we had no concept of any of that. And I figured, okay, Lord, if you want me to leave this place, this church I had planted and pastored for seven years, if you, if you want me to leave this place which I love. I love living here. I love these people. I've invested so much of my life here. If you are bringing an end to that, then all right, show me what's next. And you know what? There was a year of silence about that. I got a little frustrated. What the Lord was doing in that time was helping me shoulder a cross. And he was dealing with some stuff in my life that makes it possible for me to serve you here in this church. I didn't know that at the time. And part of that was to shake out of my hands everything that I had been holding so tightly to. I could not have had any room to embrace what God was about to unfold because I was holding so tightly. Remember Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, if you seek seek to hold on what has been, you'll lose it. If you lose your life for my sake that's when you find it no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God now let me wrap this up by saying okay so what you've been talking a lot about a cross and a, and a cross that I have an appointment with that kind of sounds a little scary and it's bugging me some so can you kind of explain that a little bit all right I will but I can't tell you for sure what the cross that God has appointed for you looks like because it's different for each one of us, tailor-made for our stuff. But what I can tell you, a cross is always designed to kill you. It won't be pleasant. But what it's, what it's killing is the stuff that's killing you the stuff that's keeping you from the will of God and his plans for your life, I encourage you, shoulder it. Surrender to it. Sink into it. Let the Lord do what he needs to do. You know, um, farther back than the story I just told, when I was just uh, beginning to plant, Sue and I were just beginning to start the church that we left before coming here. So this is like '96 somewhere back in there. I was um, I was working outside of the church uh, and uh, working hard. It was a I was working full time for a technology company, and it was a it was a uh, a boom cycle like it kind of is now in the technology business. And we were, you know, just you know, working long hours and stuff while I was trying to plant a church at the same time. And on top of that, I was commuting three hours a day. And I had plenty of whining sessions with God about that. You could make this a little easier, right? I'm planting the church here. And I remember, I'm driving home one night and I'm exhausted and I'm thinking now about all the stuff I got to do for the church when I get home and uh, and, and I'm, I'm ticked with God. Anybody, don't raise your hand. <laughs> anyway, I'm just ticked with God and, uh, but the Lord spoke into that. Now, I wasn't. I can tell you how I understood it. It wasn't words. I didn't hear an audible voice. But I understood something. I understood the Lord saying to me, I know this is unpleasant. There's a design to that. This is a cross. If you'll let me nail you to it, it will deal with stuff I have to deal with so that you can go forward. And, uh, man, I wish I could say that I immediately said, oh, yes, Lord, thank God, string me up, you know. And that, it, it didn't happen that way. But, but I also did sense my, as I completed that drive home, and I, I did sense, my, sense myself surrendering to it and yielding to it. And, uh, boy, I, I, I don't want to live through it again. <laughs> but I wouldn't trade what God did in my life in those years for anything, ain't Nothing so precious and so valuable, what he reamed out of my life and left available to him. My, I have a, a relative, um, my only niece, who, um, is, uh, who has just returned from, from the mission field. She had set out on a five-month um, discipleship training and uh, m- short term mission experience uh, and was serving the Lord in Thailand and in um, India, and has come home early. She left uh, her team came home early because of she she didn 't like her what was going on with her leader, her team leader. Now, I have no way of judging uh, that situation because i i wasn 't there i don 't know this team leader. all I know is what she told me. But can I tell you that I believe she's made a mistake. We tend to figure out ways to convince ourselves to do what we want to do. We can convince ourselves that there's a reason to do what we want to do. And usually that has to do with avoiding a cross. I believe the Lord had her in a difficult place on purpose. To deal with some stuff in her life that now she'll just have to come back around again sometime and deal with. You know, it's not going to go away. and We tend to do everything we can to avoid the crosses that the Lord has appointed to us. Can I just tell you, don't. <laughs> Learn from my experience, okay, don't. You just come back. You come back to it because God loves you too much to leave that stuff there. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, you can put your things aside, I'm going to wrap this up. <clears throat> Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to be my follower, Jesus said. Shoulder your cross. Let's go. This is recording number 11117 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Four Square Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 10th, 2014. This is the fourth message in a series by Randy Bolt titled, On the Road with Jesus. This message is titled, The Call of the Cross.